0: Well, Hey there and welcome back to the podcast. I hope that y'all have been chasing after Jesus this week And if you haven't I hope that this podcast will help get you back into just get back into the swing of things Uh, Because Jesus is the most important thing you could ever give your effort your time your life to So I hope and I pray that you are pursuing him with everything you have I'm going to pray and we will jump right into today's episode. Let's pray Father Jesus, Holy Spirit, thank you for life. Thank you that we get to live in the grace that you purchased for us and have given to us. Bless us all. Draw us near to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. well I'm going to start by reading a passage that literally caught my eye today simply because my Bible was opened and uh, this part was highlighted. Uh, It's Matthew chapter 9 verses 1 through 8 and here's what it says. Jesus climbed into a boat and went back across the lake to his own town. Some people brought to him a paralyzed man on a mat. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, Be encouraged, my child. Your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of the law, of the religious law, said to themselves, That's blasphemy. Does he think he's God? And Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you have such evil thoughts in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up and went home. Fear swept through the crowd as they saw this happen, and they praised God for giving humans such authority. Now, there is so much in these eight verses that I would love to unpack, but I definitely, I definitely don't have the time to, uh, with that being said, let me encourage you to really dig into God's word, like study it, research it, find cross cross references, um, you know, the little notes and the notations in your Bible at the bottom, read those, pray through it. Don't just read it and check it off your list. Don't just read it and check it off your list. This is one of the best resources that God has given us, the Bible. You know, obviously, in addition to prayer and his Holy Spirit, it's one of the best resources God has given us for us to know him. So don't waste it, this this amazing provision of God. Don't waste it by treating it like homework. Treat it like a treasure because God had you in mind when he assembled these writings and he put this book together. Don't waste it. Treat it like treasure. All right. Sorry for that little rant, but back to the verse. Here we go. So, Jesus gets off a boat in Capernaum. Now, even though this specific account doesn't state that he's in Capernaum, but states that he is in, uh, quote-unquote, his own town, um and that might be confusing because you know, we we know Jesus is from Nazareth. Uh, we know this is likely Capernaum, based on other accounts in Mark and Luke, where we see that this is probably the same guy whose friends not only carried him on a mat, like this this account states, but also dug through the roof to get him to Jesus. Jesus uh, would have most likely set up like a like a base camp for ministry here, uh, which is why they call it his own town. He was there very, very often. And that's kind of where he would uh, do ministry out of. Um, it was also likely that Peter lived here as well. Uh, anyways, just some some added goodies for you guys. Um, study the Bible. It's fun. I promise. Um, so Jesus is off the boat at Capernaum, right? And he's met with some people as he usually is who brought their friend. Uh, they're literally carrying this guy on a mat in hopes that Jesus will heal him and make him walk. That's the point. That's why they're bringing him. Um, And when Jesus sees them, he doesn't immediately heal the paralytic. Instead, he says, be encouraged. Your sins are forgiven. And he stops there, right? Like, pause. Then he addresses the Pharisees who are around. Now, I'm imagining, like, if I were this guy, or even this guy's friends, for that matter, I'm not sure I'd be encouraged immediately. You know, hey, be encouraged. Your sins are forgiven. Um, I'd be more like, yeah, cool, thanks bro, but, uh, (laughs) I'd really be encouraged if I could walk. You think you could help me out with that instead? Um, now we know obviously Jesus heals us, man. And the initial statement was probably more for the benefit of the Pharisees and the others in the crowd, more than the paralytic. But what if that statement just stood like, what if Jesus just stopped there? He said, be encouraged. Your sins are forgiven and pieced out. Would you be encouraged? Would your friends who dragged you to see this healer named Jesus be encouraged? I'm not so sure. I think our encouragement for the most part is more so tied to our comfort. Um, and I want you to keep that in mind, um, as we're going to, we're going to jump to acts real quick. Okay. Um, Acts chapter five verses forty through forty two, and I am definitely going to need to set this up before I get into this verse because there's a lot that leads up to this. Okay, um, so in Acts, um, really starting in verse or not verse, but uh, chapter two, uh, the disciples you know just received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They're sent out to preach the gospel. Peter and John are together, and they tell a bunch of people that they crucified the Son of God who is Jesus, that he was raised to life again and that they should repent. They said a whole lot more about that, but that's the gist of what they, what they said. Um, Thousands of people put their faith in Jesus that day, but Peter and John were eventually arrested and thrown in prison. An angel comes, breaks them out of prison, and they start preaching the gospel again. And someone tattles on them, and they get brought before the council to be basically interrogated. And after defending themselves and preaching the gospel to the council, the people that are interrogating them, they end up. Um, uh, the council ends up wanting to kill Peter and John, but. A Pharisee named Gamaliel, maybe, that's how you pronounce his name, um, uh, a Pharisee warns them not to, uh, not to, basically stating that if this is from God, that you won't be able to stop it. Like, and if it's not, it won't matter anyway. It'll just, just fizzle out. So, you know, killing these guys, probably a bad idea. So the council takes his advice, and this is where we're picking up in Acts 5, verse 40. Says this. So they took his advice, and when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, this is Peter and John, rejoicing, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching. That the Christ is Jesus. Okay. They did what? (laughs) They rejoiced. They rejoiced for getting beat for suffering. Like they were arrested, thrown in jail for this, um, for for preaching the gospel. They were beat for preaching the gospel. And you know, I don't know about you, but me, like, like I'm probably gonna be like, Yeah, I really don't want to get beat again, so maybe we should stop doing this. Um, but then they're out like the next day telling people about Jesus again. Put yourself in this situation, right? I think that if it were me, I'd be asking God, like, why did you let this happen? You know, why did I have to suffer for this? You know, I'm trying to do your will. I'm trying to do exactly what your son told us to do. Um, You know, I'd be doubting if God even loved me or if he hears my prayers. Like, isn't that what we do when we go through really difficult times? Ask, why, God? Why is this happening to me? Again, put yourself in their situation. And then remember the words Jesus spoke to the paralytic, Be encouraged. Your sins are forgiven. Be encouraged. Your sins are forgiven. One of the things we tend to minimize, or at least I think I do, is the fact that my sins are forgiven. The things I tend to maximize, you know, the the things I I tend to elevate in my perspective and my focus um, are the situations that I would like to change. The things that I don't like that are happening in my life. What would happen to our perspective if... We change the balance of those two things. What would happen to our emotional state, our mental state, our spiritual state, our general outlook on life? What would happen if we not only remembered, but took to heart what Jesus said in John sixteen thirty three? He says, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Take heart. I have overcome the world. You're, you're going to have trouble in this life. You're not going to like every circumstance. You're not going to like every situation. But take heart because I have overcome the world. Be encouraged. Your sins are forgiven. What would happen if we remembered when he said, uh, what he told the disciples in Luke 10, 10 verse 20. He says, do not rejoice in this. Like they had just come back from um, doing ministry and, you know, like they're casting out demons and stuff. And he says, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Or what if we remembered uh, what Paul says in Romans 8.18. It says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Like it's not even worth thinking, it's not even like putting the two together and saying like, I don't know, this one seems a lot better. Or this, you know, this kind of sucks or whatever. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Be encouraged, your sins are forgiven. Now, I'm not saying that you have to love all of your circumstances. I'm not saying that at all, because, you know, that's just impossible. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't ask God for help when things are tough. Um, you should definitely take all of those things to God. Um, cry out to God when 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 things are difficult, when situations are, you know, uh, just not the way you want them. Go cry to God with everything. He wants to hear your heart. He wants to hear your voice. He wants you to depend on Him. Um so, don't hear me saying that you have to love all your circumstances. Uh, but what I am saying is that you shouldn't let any of your circumstances wreck your faith. Don't let your circumstances wreck your faith. Don't let them take your hope. Thank God for being with you in them, for carrying you through them, and thank Him that this world isn't the only thing that we will experience because of Jesus. Like with this world, this earth, and the pain that we go through here, um, and even the joys that we go through here, it's not the only thing that we will experience because of Jesus. The pains we will go through while living on this earth are temporary. Heaven is our hope. Heaven is our hope, not our comfort in this world. Be encouraged, your sins are forgiven. Be encouraged, your sins are forgiven. I'm saying that as much for me as I am for you. Be encouraged. Your sins are forgiven. As we get ready to pray, like I want you to ask yourself some questions and answer them as sincerely as you're able, um, as you're able to. Um, think about this. Can you separate your encouragement from your circumstances? Can you separate your your encouragement from your circumstances? Can you be encouraged and, and be uncomfortable? At the same time, can you be encouraged that your sins are forgiven, even in circumstances that aren't uh, preferable? How much encouragement do you expect out of this life and this body? How much encouragement do you expect out of this life and this body? And are you living for the comfort of this world, or are you able to be satisfied by the reality of heaven? Are you living for the comfort of this world or are you able to be satisfied by the reality of heaven? Personally, I've been praying a lot that God would make heaven the most real thing in my heart. Maybe I'm the only one. I doubt it, but you know, maybe. Um, but I don't want it to seem, I don't want heaven to seem like a fairy tale land that only exists in my mind and my imagination with these false promises of a better future. I want it to be real. I want it to be, in every way, a reality that puts everything else in its place. Like, a reality that puts all of my circumstances and all of my troubles and all of everything in the correct perspective. I want to be encouraged, always, by the fact that my sins are forgiven and that my name is written in heaven. Because that's what really matters. Everything else is temporary. Everything else is temporary. Be encouraged. Your sins are forgiven. Let's pray. Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, make heaven real in my heart. Make heaven real in my heart. Give me visions of eternity, Lord. Give me visions of eternity that give me hope and that make me understand how incomparable even the most beautiful places on earth are encourage me by your grace god encourage me by your mercy thank you for it in jesus name amen all right i'm going to play some music i want you guys take some time pray listen think about those questions and just let the holy spirit change you let the holy spirit give you perspective give you those visions of heaven And just be encouraged that your sins are forgiven. All right, I'm going to close in prayer, but if you need more time, just rewind this and continue to focus your attention on the Lord. Let's pray. Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, thank you for your forgiveness, for your word, God, for providing such a practical way to draw near to you, God. Enlarge my perspective today and help me to see with eternal eyes. Help me to see. In Jesus' name, amen.